Yeehaw! Y'all want a date with an international model? Well, Hillbilly Horror Show is going to make it happen. Oh, That's right. We're having ourselves a contest. And the winner gets an all-expense-paid trip to Hollywood and a date with international swimsuit model and star of Hillbilly Horror Show actress Rachel Faulkner. You are going to make some guy so happy. Head on over to hillbillyhorrorshow.com for details and be sure to catch Hillbilly Horror Show Volume 2 on DVD February 17th. Hello everyone, this is Scott Guider, a.k.a. Gruesome Herzog, and the character of Cephas from the Hillbilly Horror Show, with my co-host Joanne Thomas. Our next two guests is director David Roundtree and actor David Banks of the film Cut. Hope you enjoy. First up, actor David Banks. Let's talk about your character in Cut. Disturbing news in North Hollywood. Two headless female bodies were found early this morning, and police are now saying this could be the work of a possible serial killer. I've got an idea how to make some easy money. We can make a movie by getting real people and just scaring them. Let's do it. Every big horror movie's got like a larger-than-life bad guy. I think we got to find somebody like that. Wait a second, that's a homeless guy from out yeah. back. She's perfect. Fun. Take this. Just scare her. The guy came in there with a knife and he slit her throat. We're accomplices to murder. I just don't know why I have to be the one to do this. Well, I guess the director can do whatever he wants, right? and cut and what is your experience after film and cut um well the involvement was um i've known roundtree for quite some time we studied in the same class uh, out here many years ago and started doing you know a lot of times in la actors get i don't want to say pigeonhole but stereotype or kind of shoved into a certain genre they think that the acting coach um you know, sees best. So uh, Roundtree was always kind of pushed into the drama thing, which he was very, very good at. And I was always mm-hmm. a little envious of that. And I was somehow pushed into the comedy realm, and which I didn't have any complaints about. But I think we kind of wanted to stir the pot of a little bit by, um, by doing our own scenes that were out of the norm for us, so to speak. And I think, um, so I started, along with Roundtree, we started writing kind of a, more things that would show off what we, you know, what we, I guess, shouldn't be doing because the coach just <laughs> insisted on, nope, Roundtree, you're a drama guy, that's it, that's all there is to it, you're doing these scenes, and that's it, thanks. You just try to be funny if you can, um, but you're not going to touch the dramatic side because that's not your thing. I know this because I'm an acting coach. And that, you know, again, no offense, it was an amazing um, time there, and the, uh, one of the greatest teachers out here, but we just, I, I guess we kind of wanted to push that envelope and just see what, so we started writing scenes that were, that would showcase Roundtree on more of the funny level and then me on more of a dark, twisted, uh, dramatic, nutty guy. So okay. uh, in doing so, we just started with a lot of short films and a lot of short scenes and um, 
it quickly uh, escalated into more of the feature film thing and then decided, we, hey, you know what, let's find something that's totally unexpected and what we would not ever normally do. <laughs> so, you know, and again, being huge fans of the horror world, obviously growing up with all the Halloweens, Friday 13th, Flat Rail Elm Street, Sleepaway Camp, I can go on and on. Um, wow. That was what we were just, I mean, it, and I think maybe because I wasn't allowed to watch it, it was one of those things where, no, 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 you're, you're going to watch the Cosby show and maybe the Jeffersons, but no, 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 no horror, no violence, no nothing. It's got to be pretty much anything past eight at night, that's when the TV goes off. So it was, I guess so it was something that we, I was never really allowed to have in my household, so I really had this fascination with it. So the minute we talked about writing something along the lines of the horror thriller genre, we just, we just dove right in. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun for both of us. And, um, yeah, just, and again, it's just, it's just something that we can look back at now and say, wow, I mean, this was really something exciting for us both. Cause it was kind of a, I want to say, I guess it's kind of a dream project for us both. Right. Um, I mean, I, I, I think what amazes me the most by what you said there is, you know, your horror, you know, your eighties horror. Absolutely. Anything 80s, it's a trivia question. There's a rubric to my desk right now. Ask away and I will answer. Just, you know what, David? David, you know what? I, I'm going to do a special episode on my show and have you on as my co-host to talk about some 80s horror. I'm serious, 80s horror films. I'm game. I'm game. I could, there isn't many people out there anymore that even knows anything about the 80s. I mean, there... You know what I mean? I mean, there's quite there's few, but you're one of the first actors that I've actually talked to in five years that knows the 80s. I'm impressed. Oh, well, thank of course, you so much. Four years younger than, yeah. Of course, you're four years younger than me, so you're close to my age group. But, I mean, don't, in this business of interviewing, a lot of the actors are, like, born in, like, 82, 83, 84, 86. And okay. They don't – it's quite late in their – you know, it's quite – you know, they don't, they weren't, they're born in the 80s, but they don't know anything about the 80s, if you get, get my drift, but that, that's well, yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. I mean, if you're going to ask someone about Pinhead or Chucky, or, I mean, they might know something of that from either their parents or a remake that has come out since, you know, and it's, which is, which is great, and I think that a lot of the new ones coming out that kind of remake the old ones, they, they do a really good job, but at the same time, I think it's really nice to revisit the old, the classic. So David, um, again, I can't compliment on your on your performance in this movie because I haven't seen it yet. But um, just by the way you're talking, um, you're very uh, very positive, very um, high driven. Oh, I mean, thank that's you. Kind of, I, actually that's how I am. I guess you can tell that I'm very spontaneous. But yeah, with, um, or, with or without the coffee, I think it's just kind of something that we might just have in our brains. Maybe I'm guessing, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I I play a character of um, Cephas. It's a Hibbly Horror Show. What that's all about is um, it's me, Cephas, Bo, and Lulu. And what it is, it's filmmakers make these short films, you know, and they have they go to the festival, festival circuit, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. So the deal that we have now is we'll do like pick like five short films, and there's acting in between where I play this mumbling Cephas. He's smart, but me being a reviewer as Gruesome Herzog, the, the gag is, because I do talk, like now, in interviews and reviews and stuff, the gag is to have me mumble, but Bill understands me. <laughs> and uh, so, real quickly, we had the, the Volume 1 was released out, you can get to Amazon, or, or go to Kmart, or go to Walmart, or go Best Buy, or and anywhere, and order it, and Volume 2 is getting released on February the 17th, nice. and... Thank you. And it, it's to, I mean, for the, the 
distro wanted behind the scenes, okay? So they had this little funny gag where you can watch the YouTube video on YouTube on my channel um, where we're playing the nasty guy, the, 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 the nasty part of me, and then there's also the good parts about Hillbilly Horror Show. And, of course, you know, I don't drink that much, but I was drinking that night, and they decided to do this. So the F word flew out of my mouth a lot in the 10-minute behind the scenes. It's funny as hell. you got to watch that so that you can get an idea of, of how versatile I can be. I mean, I can be the, the serious, and I can also have a lot of fun. You know, it's just... Being an actor, you have to be able to have that outlet to like, oh my god, okay, we're done the scene. Let's just let it out and have a little fun, and then get serious again. That's, you know? I think that's really the key is, um, you know, making it fun and having it. At the end of the day, you can kind of go home and not only be, you know, happy and proud of what you've done, but also say, wow, that was a great time. I mean, of course, it's not always going to be a great time, but I think the more you can make it fun and, and enjoyable, the you know, the longer we we want to do this kind of thing. I mean, no one wants to go right. to go to work so to speak and you know, and, and not enjoy what they do. I think it's got to be, and that's kind of how I was, I was brought up. My father was in advertising. And he really loved what he did. He dove into it at first. And it was just, it was great to see that and be around that because, you know, it also still me. Listen, if you want to, if you want to go up to LA and you want to be a drummer, you want to go to MI or whatever, that was kind of the plan. Uh, you need to enjoy it first and foremost. And if you enjoy it and that shows, people are going to, they're going to notice that. And again, it's not really work anymore. It's not really a job. It's you enjoying what you're doing and you happen to get paid for it. Amen. I mean, I think that's what we all would love to do. And that's kind of why, that's kind of why, why we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, and of course, you know, there's ups and downs of being an actor, David. I'm sure it happened to you where, you know, some things get done that you're not too happy about, but you have to accept it and get the thick skin. You know, the, the common saying is, right, Joanne, that actors are sensitive. <laughs> yeah, that is. I've heard, yeah. I've heard that. I, I've heard that as well. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. We're all uh, a little, yeah, <laughs> a little sensitive. Yeah, and it is. Definitely, it definitely. Is. I mean, we all like to know what we're doing is the right thing, or at least what the director envisioned or what he had hope for, and, you know, if he doesn't, then at least we can kind of shift and give him something that he likes, and, I, you know, there's that can take multiple takes. It can be done sometimes in the first one or two takes, which is very rewarding as an actor, um, but, you know, when you do hit it right, you feel it, there's nothing better, for me anyway, when they, when they say, right. wow, that was exactly what I, lo- what I wanted, this is great, and we're done. I mean, that's a great feeling and then again seeing the finished product and then you know i guess and not knowing how that how it's going to be put together how it's going to be edited how it's going to be perceived by the audience and, and all these kind of things go into play but that's i think that's the fun part it's almost i always say it's like playing the lottery every day not only from auditions but you know we try to i guess win the big spin i guess which is the big role and but in the meantime you have these nice juicy roles in the meantime that really are fun to play fun to jump into and you know, and almost surprise yourself. That's the fun part for me is almost surprising myself and coming up with stuff that I didn't even think I had in me, which is kind of right. Funny. It's weird. I don't know about David. I don't know about you, but when you do a role in a movie and then you get in your car and you go home and you're thinking, "Wow, I'm an actor." I mean, I, you you know you are, but when you do a performance and they, and they love your performance and it's over with, you get that confidence like, "Wow, I did it!" And then you know, the more experience you get, the better you get. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's kind of you got still hit to this day. You're like, wow, this is what I'm doing. Okay, this is this is this is different. This is what I thought I would be doing, but I'm enjoying it. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a 
a fun thing to wake up to realize sometimes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll get Mr. Roundtree in here. Um, Mr. Roundtree. Yes, I'm still here. You are the director of this film that I'll be seeing soon, and we were, we're almost going to have to do a second interview so I can give my thoughts on the film also. That way I know, and we have you know get more into it. But as you know, David mentioned you as the character, as being a character in his film as well as Mr. Simon, correct? Correct, Travis Simon. Travis Simon. And obviously it's your baby. I mean, you are the co-writer with David and you're the director. Now, the question that I have for you, it might seem dumb, but sometimes I like to see what an answer is. The outcome of the film and before you made the film, is it very close to how you want it to be or is it better than what you thought it would be? Um, originally, David Banks and I had this idea that we were going to get our comedy film made. Uh, we were optioned by a studio to do it, and it was not moving. So in the meantime, instead of waiting around for that to happen, we decided to shoot a horror film, uh, which is how Cut was born. So the original okay. concept was we were going to write a, uh, a loosely improv story we were going to try to film in about seven or eight days and just crank it out there just kind of for fun, see where it goes. We were going to shoot one really elaborate, well produced scene that really looked professional where these two guys decide to make a snuff film and the ending of that scene was going to be from here on out we film everything we do. Never don't cut the handheld camera and make it real loose and kind of you know just get something out there like like Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity and make it happen. But um, right. we shot the first scene and the first scene was so well received uh, I, our distributor and some other people they said is the whole film going to look like this? And uh, we said it could. So thanks. Uh, I went back to the drawing board and we crafted the entire story. So um, in that process, we actually created and reshot the beginning and created what cut became to be. So um, the original concept, we really didn't know where it was going to go. But uh, okay. the development really took off and became something pretty powerful. And we're pretty happy with it. We, I heard Susie talk about it. You know, and then hearing David talk about his experience, and now you, um, I don't know, I mean, it, it sounds very cool. Now, you're on, is it stage 32, or is it slated that I seen Cut was on? Um, I, be I believe Cut is on slated, but um, stage 32 is a site that I'm also uh, fairly involved with. And, um, yeah, because I followed it, I think, yeah, I think I did, one of them. That's how I first seen it, and then Matt contacted me, talking about it. Well, actually, Suze Lanier, we interviewed, she was talking about it, and that's how I put two and two together to get four. Oh. But, yeah. <laughs> that does uh, happen. She starts, um. <laughs> wow. Aren't we a smartass, huh? <laughs> two, two makes four. Banks, yeah. hit him for me, will you please? Yeah, he will. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the film actually started, it started with this, you know, very basic idea. And David Banks and I, I don't think either one of us really, really realized the potential this thing had until we shot that opening scene. And the opening right. scene took, took a whole new life to it. And we said, because this really could be something. So when we started crafting the scenes, we had to go back and scrap that entire first day because it didn't really fit with our story. So we, we reshot that. That scene now takes place in a different location uh, at a different time period in the movie. And uh, the, the players in the movie, like Dahlia, who was just on, and Suze Lanier and Gabrielle Stone uh, and Sam Scarborough kind of came into play once we crafted this new story. 
And then we took okay. we took over a year at that point to actually make the movie. Uh, where before we were looking at, you know, just a handful of days to do it. And thank goodness, because the studio never moved on our comedy. So we, we actually have, you know, all that work put into this really paid off, paid off nicely now. And, uh, you know, we're pretty happy with the end product. Awesome. You know, congratulations. I mean, that's uh, used to alone just to get an idea like that and to run with it and uh, get that surprise success to get it forward more. I mean, I'm really anxious to see this. I really am. I can't wait. It should be here in the next couple of days, I'm sure. It really it should. Um, I know the screener went out to you earlier, uh, actually, I think, middle of last week, but, you know, going all the way to the East Coast, uh, you know, your area takes a few days. So it, it may be there today. It may be there tomorrow. But yeah, it might have been. Itself. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to get a, a glimpse. And uh, hopefully we can get this thing in the Fantastic Horror Film Festival. What do you think? That'd be amazing. Love to do it. Uh, any any chance we have to get this movie seen is a is a blessing, and you know for for an, an independent film to get even completed is such you know such a, a, an accomplishment on any level for any filmmaker to to finish it. But just people actually see it when it's done and get get to have it playing in theaters and on all the VOD right. outlets and Redbox and Netflix and things like that. From you know, there's so many independent filmmakers out there who try to do so many things, but they just aren't able to take it to completion. So to have as many right. as many gifts in this film that we were given, you know, and as many people that came on board to really push and help make this thing come together. It's a nice reward now so they can see all their work, you know, and they can see that right. it actually went somewhere, and we're real happy about that. Well, Joanne is one of the co-founders of the Fantastic Horror Film Festival, so you can talk to her and work on that deal. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to get uh, the judges to watch Cut, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, I mean, a way. I mean, I can't guarantee it. But I haven't seen it, but but I can I I can see this getting in the festival just for the talent alone and just the idea of you know there, there's a lot of horror films and sometimes when a film is a little bit different that hasn't been done it kind of uh, puts a new uh, taste in people's mouths. You know what I mean? Right, and we we do feel like the idea is in an unoriginal film world it's it's relatively original the idea that we have but not not so original right. that an audience is going to be turned off by it i think they're going to right. embrace it and say wow this is this is kind of neat and and one thing that we kind of play on here is that what happens in the story can happen to anybody in any real situation it really can and i think that adds to the scare factor of it and there are a lot of true events that kind of went into the making of this movie and we you know, we loosely say that it's inspired by true events, and that's because it is. There are a lot of true events that kind of inspired the making of this movie. And um, right. when people right. watch something, I think, you know, if you watch a movie with, um, you know, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street with, with Freddy Krueger, you know, the audience will kind of embrace that for what it is, but there's no, you know, real feeling of horror that when you go to bed, someone's going to come attack you like Freddy is. However, when right. you have a movie where something possibly really could happen to you in that environment, you know, then then it starts taking a different twist, and that's kind of what we play. And um, you know, I, I watch the old Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the eighty movies you're talking about earlier. David Banks and I are both big fans of that. And, um, Good. You know, that that played Good. into our conceptual idea of how we're doing this, and we talk about some of those. So it's. Well, then I, I then you're my third guest. Awesome. <laughs> now that. It's funny you said that because you know films to me that films that really really um, stick with me is films that can possibly happen. When I say that, I can remember when DVDs first came out, roughly, and I went and bought Wrong Turn, okay? Mm -hmm. Wrong Turn, I must have watched like 15 times because 
it can easily happen. In West Virginia, you got these cannibal pipe people. It can happen, and that movie impressed me so much that, you know, I mean, any movie that you watch that can possibly happen, it's scary. It makes you think. And that's kind of films that, that really get under my skin that I really enjoy. Well, that's good. Well, hopefully, I'm, I'm a fan of Wrong Turn as well. I've always liked Eliza Dushku. Um, that's the one you're talking about, right? The, yes, the first one. Yeah. Right. Uh, was that 2003 or something, I believe? And, yep. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a fan of that movie because, like you said, it can really happen. And that's yep. something that, you know, when you watch Cut, I mean, it's, it's two guys who want to manufacture a horror movie, but they don't have the ability to do it. So they decide right. to scare people and put it on camera and try to prank them like a paranormal activity, you know, and kind of do these things. But, you know, they, it goes too far, and the first person dies. And when that happens, now what do you do? You have this situation where one guy, if he even sneezes in the wrong direction, as he says in the movie, he goes back to jail for a long time. And the other guy is trying to make it as a filmmaker, and they've got this amazing footage of this real death that looks like, you know, potentially could be part of a movie. And what do you do with it? And yeah. And it's a yeah. whole uh, dilemma now these guys have, and they've got to run with it and figure out where life's going to take them. And uh, it really takes them to some interesting places. You mentioned about uh, 80s horror fans. Have any of you seen uh, Cannibal Holocaust, 1980? I don't think I've seen that one. That's the orig- That's basically the very first found footage film to where uh, they go into this. It's an Italian movie, and I love the Italian. I don't care. The cheesy zombie films, I love them. But... If you, if you do your homework on it, the director of that film was almost arrested for murder because the kills look so real with the natives that he told the actors to go into hiding for a year. And because they're in hiding, when they seen this film, they thought that the, that he had his actors killed by, by these tribe. You have to see it because in the 80s movies back then, I mean, they got in trouble for cruelty to animals. You can see them butchering a big-ass turtle in a movie. Oh, wow. And that's something, if you like Wrong Turn, I advise both of you to get the Cannibal Holocaust and watch that. It's amazing and creepy where it almost makes you believe that it actually happened. That's how real it looks. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that, yeah. And that was, in the, that was also in the 80s, right? 1980? Yeah, ni- 1980. That's uh, um, Michael Berryman... Uh, was in his one film called Cut and Run, Dio Dado or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I know he was facing uh, uh, murder charges and everything until he was forced his actors to come out, to wow. come to where he's at to prove that, that, that that's fake. Because the one woman that you see on the DVD art, there's a pole going through her. And it looked that real that they actually thought that she was actually killed by the natives. Wow. It's crazy. you got to see it. Got to oh, see it. I'm telling wow. you, Cannibal Holocaust, 1980. I bring that up because you mentioned about films you watch that that look so real. Well, that, it, I mean, wasn't there like a Jungle Holocaust as well? Yeah, well, yeah, there's a bunch of them in the from the 80 to 81 era. There's Zombie Holocaust. There's Cannibal Ferox. There's Cannibal Holocaust. There's Eat Me Alive. Okay, there are all these Italian films that have all these different names. Um, but I, when I watched Cannibal Holocaust, I went into this Italian mode where I watched every damn one of them, Cannibal Ferox, all that stuff. And I'm so fascinated by the music they use, the uh, cheesy, cheesy, cheesy <laughs> makeup. But I love that shit. I love that shit. Because oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I can't help it. Now, when, when new films today try that, I can't stand it. I mean, like... Uh, 
it, it has to be 81. You cannot try and bring that back today because it's yeah. not. Number one, you can't top the Italian music that, that, that they use. It's, it's just, they, 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 they use the weirdest ass music in their films. And it's, it's creepy just hearing it. Homework, awesome. Cannibal Holocaust. I'm on that for sure. I'm, I'm going to try to look at that one for sure. That sounds great. Actually, go on, go on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube, the whole movie. Oh, I love that. I love that. As a matter of fact, I think it is. And I think Cannibal Ferox is too, I think. But that's, that's how I've seen it for the one time. Of course, I've seen it back in the day. It had like another name. I can't remember what it's called. But I got it in the mail from a Cheesy Flicks. <laughs> it changed the name to like, uh, I can't remember what, what it was called. But an incredible, incredible film. So I'm I'm a weirdo when it comes to films that can possibly happen, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, uh, although that movie is not is fake, it's based off of the one that sure Ed Gein uh, in his, the 50s, right, right. But still, but still, the idea of come on, how many places do you know that has a farm? It's quiet. Any, it's creepy. It's having a killer lurking around on a farm with dead quiet. You yep. can't top it. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree. And I think, I think, I think it kind of threatened and sucks you in. I mean, I was up in, yeah. I was up in Big Bear this weekend with some friends, and we decided to pop in. Um, well, I brought Hostel with me, Wolf Creek, and, of course, Hills Have Eyes. Wolf kind of, Creek. Yeah, I love Wolf Creek. I love that movie. Um, Part 2 was pretty gross. Yeah, you know what, though? But they did bring back, um, I mean, his performance was, my gosh, um, <laughs> as you know what I'm talking about. He played probably... I would say by far the creepiest um, character I've seen in a horror. And if I think it's the first half of that movie starts off, and I thought someone was kind of was trying to play a joke, and he says, you need to see Wolf Creek. When I first jumped on, I said, okay. Of course, oh, the God. First, the first, literally the first half of it was just kind Boring. of... Boring. Kind of Boring. Kind of, you know, but then it just, as soon as it kicks in, John Jarrett's performance is, is <laughs> mind-blowing. Yep. Mind-blowing. Yep. He is one of those guys... That's just, I think his character was what Mick Taylor, and he was just yep, Mick Taylor, yep. One of those guys again that sucks you in that you're like, wow, what? I mean, it's he's so amazing and just yep. And it took me three times to watch that movie. I was so fucking bored. That's that thing, first the first the first half. Oh quite, my god! And then up. I. But then I popped it going. in the third time. I said, "Holy shit! Oh, <laughs> this yeah. is fucking what awesome." I like, to do is I like to show that to someone for the first time that's never seen it. It's one of those ones that you have to own at least two copies because the first one's always going to be loaned out, and you'll probably never yep. get back because they love it. Yep. I yep. have my yep. final copy that I've probably bought and rebought on eBay like ten times because it's just no one gives it back. They love it. Um, but yeah, that, I was. We watched that this weekend. Hills Have Eyes, revisiting the old stuff, and I just I love oh, yeah. showing off those kind of films to people, to new eyes, just to see. Cannibal Holocaust is going to blow your friends away when they watch that. When <laughs> you wait, it's going to blow you away. It's uh, so it sucks you in to where you think, oh my god, is this real? I mean, it's bad uh, enough that when they actually kill the animals on this, on this, on the film, that's where it gets you at. If they're willing to to uh, to kill an animal. Imagine what else is possibly real, and it makes you really think you got to see that one. That's Absolutely. Awesome. It opens up a lot of doors of possibility, and that's what's scary. Because you know those people are out there. And that's mm-hmm. the thing with, with David Banks' character. You know people like that are out there, and that's what makes it yeah. so scary. Because that, that person is someone that you hang out with. It's somebody who's at work with you, who's someone sitting right next to you all day long, and you don't know what, what they're capable of. And that's, that's his character. Jeffrey Dahmer, prime example. It, Jeffrey it Dahmer. We actually yeah. like use. Jeffrey Dahmer and a few others as kind of the mold to create 
the, the different uh, energy in his scenes because, you know, David's character, who is the eccentric serial killer, he does certain things to, you know, take care of what he does. You know, he, sometimes he's really nice and sweet. Sometimes he's funny. Sometimes he's a jerk. Sometimes he's angry. You really never know what you're going to get, which makes it very unpredictable, which also makes it fun to watch. If something's predictable, yes. you get bored quickly, but you never know what you're going to get with this character of Lane Hayes. And so that's, that's why I voted him my favorite movie serial killer of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I can't wait to watch it. I really can't. It's, I'm really excited to. Uh, well, he brings, David does, as David said earlier, he does have a big comedy background, and you know he's done over what 200 national commercials, and, and most of them are comedy related. And bringing that that comedic comedic side to this really dark twisted role, I think, so gave it so much life and so much energy, and made him so fun to watch because he's got that side where you kind of want to laugh at what he says. He's like he's like the guy that kind of picks on somebody and, and the group kind of wants to laugh and they know they shouldn't laugh, you know, but it's still kind of, it's still kind of funny, but in a dark way. And that's what Lane is. And you watch him and you kind of want to laugh at what he says. He says some funny stuff, but it's so mean. You, you kind of hold yourself back and uh, <laughs> right. it, it's, it's fun. I mean, he really says some good stuff. People quote his lines all the time. I've come out of a couple screenings and people just, you hear him walking out saying his lines over and over again. And so that's, that's so much fun that's to, awesome. to see people do that, you know? That is awesome. I can't wait to see it. So, Definitely, definitely, we're gonna to have to have you guys come on again, so that way, once Joanne watches it, um, and myself, that we can uh, have something to talk about. You know, <laughs> yeah, what I mean, uh, we'd love to, we'd love to. That'd be fun to uh, get some cast members on here to talk about, uh, you know, our experiences of of what I, you know, of what I t- took from it. And I mean, of course, you're gonna hear the review first, anyways. I mean, but it'd be, it, it'd be fun to be able to, I'd be able to relate to Lane Hayes or Travis Simon or Chloe Joe, you know, Gabby, just to see, you know, because you, like you said, um, films that, that potentially can be very real are very powerful in people's minds, especially the ones that don't really watch horror that much. Right. And they're going, oh, my God. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is it's... something about that when you turn a movie on and it starts with based on true events. I mean, it's, just, it's something that it's always kind of uh, sucked around you and I in. Big time. It's just yep. like something we wanted to kind of tap into. Something that's been, you know, that's happened. Because again, we can all relate to it, whether we want to or not. It kind of just moves you in and say, "Wow, this is really pretty scary." I mean, this is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of right. stuff that was happening, and it wasn't actually based on two events. And that's kind of a downer. But you know, when it, when it can't, like you said, when it can happen, that wrong turn can be made. And oh my gosh, look what happened. I mean, if there's anything, our lives can could change. In, I mean, after this conversation, we don't know. And that's that's the scary thing about about today and, you know, yeah. where, we, well, where we do. Do you know what part of Wrong Turn that really got me the most? Is I never really thought about it. Do you imagine being in the woods and somebody has a bow and arrow? You have no idea that they're pointing it at you. Yep. Oh, no idea. Until it's too late. And for a gun. I mean, it's scary. I mean, yeah. it really is. And it sucks you in like, oh, my God. And then I watched it again. I had people come over and show it to them and not say anything and to, and to, and, and to see their faces. It's, I love films like that. I mean, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite films from the, from the 2000s is, is Wrong Turn. Yeah, that was, oh, 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 yeah, I think oh, 03 or oh, 04 or something like that. Or, I don't remember. But. They're up to five. Now, one is cool as shit. Two was stupid. I love three, and the rest of them are the reboot. You know, before Wrong Turns, four, then it's after five, and then it's six. Okay, no, I, I, I was it, saying, I think this one came out in like 03 or 04, right? Wasn't that when? Right, and then, and then four, five, and six are based before the first Wrong Turn. It's, gotcha. it's weird. Okay, but okay. have you seen three? I have not yet, no. 
three, skip two, makes, has nothing to do with one. Basically, three picks up for one, basically left off somewhat. Three is also fantastic. The kill scenes in that is awesome. You've got to oh. see that one. Wow. Okay, nice. There's, a, there's, go a, fight scene, there's a fight scene between uh, the main killer, main cannibal, with okay. one of the guys from New York City. They had a fist fight. It's a brilliant film. You've got to see it. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Rob Schmidt is, a, is an amazing director, and obviously it's... You know, he's just, three is... I love three. That blew me away. So my two favorites, like I said, I go from one, three, and then the series is basically done. Unless you want to... Now, four is the one where it's snowing, where it's before they were kids, and then it starts them growing up. You know, and it's, it's, it's all right. But six, I thought, was really lame. Okay. I mean, it was good, but it was lame. But yeah, stick with one and three. Go watch three too. Three's gonna blow you away. Nice. Okay, I'll revisit that for sure. I, I mean, I mean, you, you don't ever turn down a good horror film. I mean, it doesn't. No, and 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 you think about it. I mean, the the, the high tech. You remember one? How how the kills was right? Oh yeah. And three is is so much. It's just as good, and some of the scenes are incredible. Like, do you know how these movies that have like uh, like an axe or a big ass blade swaying from a tree branch? Yeah. <laughs> well, it hits one of the guys, and the, the the special effects is so fucking amazing. You got to see it. It makes you cringe thinking, "Oh my god." Oh, nice. So I don't want to give any more away, but yeah, definitely check out three. I mean, I don't want to get off topic, but it's kind of fun to be able to talk film. About like your film, you know what possibly can actually happen. Well, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to give it a, a leeway into your film. Well, we had we had inspirations to kind of do this. One of my personal inspirations was Henry, the Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, oh yeah, I, I that that movie was disturbing when I saw that, and you know the the characters in that uh, really kind of made me think about things in a different light, and that was one of the one of the you know, uh, conceptual ideas of how to create this lane and throw a whole new player in there. And, uh, but yeah. one, one thing we do have, uh, being an indie film, you know, most indie films, I think where they lose out is in the audio because they're, they don't have a ton of money to make, make a great film all the way through. They spend their money on maybe their actors or their cameras, things like that. But right. we were very blessed to have Doghouse Post come on board and do our audio. But Kalan Schwalbe, who's an Emmy Award winner, she's and a Golden Reel winner. She's done, 200 and some studio films. She did the Goonies back in the day. She did, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, yeah. you know, Rambo. She's done all these movies. So to have her on board with Chris Horgan, who did our sound design, that really took our film, you know, to a whole other level off of the indie circuit. We're definitely an indie film. But, you know, we, we have the, the audio, which is so powerful in a movie like this, because it is, it is some moments of suspense. It is moments we're trying to build up you know, and, and create that adrenaline from the audience. And it's done so well through the audio and these type of movies. And we were blessed to have them come on board and do it. And, you know, there are moments in the film where you're watching it and you don't realize it, but it's been seven minutes without a single word being spoken, you know? Right. But right. No, one, no one misses the dialogue because of what's going on on screen. And you're getting inside the minds of these people and you're, you're seeing it from their point of view and you're seeing it voyeuristically from, you know, the audience's point of view, what's going on. And we play on that and let, let the audience be their own worst enemy as far as scaring themselves. We let it, you know, what the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believe. We play on that and we let the audience right. really, really 
create for themselves what's happening in the environment. We don't necessarily show everything. And I think that's even more powerful because no, nobody can scare themselves like themselves. I can't visually capture something on screen that's going to be more horrifying than what they, their own mind can create. So I want the audience to create that. And that's what we try to do with this movie. That is phenomenal. I cannot wait. Because uh, just by talking about it, I'm really more psyched to see it than I was before. I mean, not that I wasn't before, but to be able to be able to watch it and get my perspective of, you know, it's gonna be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. Awesome! Well, so, well, I, I hope you. Yeah, But yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I just can't wait to see it. So. Um, it's great to have you guys on, but we definitely got to do a part two, the Love after them. effects of actually watching it. And For me, seeing it in the theater is going to be better than seeing it on my computer. <laughs> so that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's the way I like to see these movies. In fact, and the movie... And it, it is hard when you're, when you're reviewing, uh, you know, a lot of people will look at online screeners, and, and it's difficult because even, even as a director... You know, an actor will submit to me with an online demo reel, and I'm watching it on my computer, and it's so easy to get distracted. You know, my, my three-year-old daughter may run in the room, or I may have an email pop in, or a phone call come in, and, I, and I'm stopping my, my attention on that. But if you're mm-hmm. actually sitting down and engaged in what you're doing, it really gives it that credibility all the way through. And even, I think, you're a Blu-ray screener, so, you know, you, know, you can sit down and actually, you know, watch and enjoy the movie in your, in your own home environment, or possibly come to the theater and watch it, you know, and then, then you'll get that, that full, full attention span into it, and uh, that goes a long way, and so we're, yeah, I, we're appreciative of anything you guys taking the time to watch it, it's just amazing. No, I, I think it's great, I, you know, Roundtree and I actually walked into a theater last week, just because there is that, there, there's nothing that takes place, that, that beats, for me anyway, walking to a theater, shutting off your cell phone, shutting off all communications, kind of just wrapping yourself into that character, whatever. We saw a film called Supremacy last week, and it was, it was amazing. From start to finish, very intense. Um, yeah, Danny Glover, uh, Joe Anderson, I mean, just really, really good acting. Um, this director knocked out of the park. And it was kind of nice for us to really just, again, shut off the cell phone, sit there and enjoy it and really get into it. And to me, nothing beats that. It almost kind of brings me back to where, you know, when we were kids, we used to pop the VHS tape in of the brand new, you know, horror film that just came out. And it's just like, wow. And, you know, waiting till your parents went to bed, shutting the lights off, getting the full effect. To me, nothing beats that. And we, you know, it's just, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned about Danny Glover. I think one of my most powerful experiences of being an actor and being in his business as reviewing films is I spent the weekend with Ernie Hudson, Danny Glover, Michael Berryman, um, Richard Keel before he passed away, oh, wow. um, and James Hampton from Team Wolf 2 and Dukes of Hazards. I spent a weekend with all of them. I mean, Michael Berryman and I were like brothers. I mean, I, I was at his table and clucking his money for him, but uh, it was a great experience. But Danny Glover is the bomb. He's one of the nicest guys I have ever met. Oh, he's, he's so gifted. And Ernie so Hudson's cool, too. He's so talented, yep. too. I mean, you, just, you really uh-huh. feel for his character in this. And it was just, uh, we both walked out just like in awe. I was like, wow. And that's, to me, that's kind of what it's all about. And you can walk out just really, something you think about for a day or two, or if not more, afterwards. Yeah, well, a funny story about Richard Keel. God bless him. Rest, rest in peace. But uh, it was, I was basically, believe it or not, it was exactly a year before he died. It was, I was like, do you know how you meet somebody and you might only have met him for three days, but 
when he passed away, it really hit you? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. I can remember my grandson's five years old at the time, or four, or five, or four. And my wife and I, my wife at the time, which she's not my wife soon, but anyways, um, they walked in front of his table, and Richard goes, that deep voice, he goes, little boy, come here. <laughs> if you go on my Facebook page and you go in there and look for uh, uh, Parafest, that's the Parafest, go in there, you see my little grandson sitting beside him, and Richard Keel puts his hands on his head. Like 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 metal mouth was and James Bond where I was going. Great. You could hardly you, you could hardly see his head. You got to see it. It was so cute. And Shawnee fell in love with him because he took the time, you know, a free picture like that. And it really, to me, when actors that 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 do that, that shows to me that they they, they appreciate all their fans from all over the year, all the years. Because technically they're supposed to charge, but he didn't give a shit. It was so neat. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's the thing that really just sticks out more than anything. Is there's no ego, there's no attitude, there's just the love for it, and they're you know they're appreciative of everybody reaching out, no matter who, what, no matter what they say, bad or good. I mean, I I, I take it all in. If I, the bad review, good review, I'm hey, they're taking the time to review it and put some thought into it, whether they like it or not. I I think it's great. You know, well. Uh, of course, I got to mention that there's, there's the open party at, that night before the, the festival started, and uh, me and Tony Todd had a couple drinks together, but uh, we won't talk about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Tony Todd's the bomb too; he really is. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that recently by someone else who's worked with him on a couple projects, and I, I've never worked with him yet, but I I do look forward to a chance one day to be able to do that. He's cool as shit. So uh, it was great having you guys on. I'm gonna be up. Yeah, that's but I was going to say, I want to give you guys a thanks, David Roundtree and Mr. David Banks, for hey. coming on today, me and Joanne. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Joanne. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. And if, if anybody would like to go add our um, our Twitter and our Facebook live page, that would be amazing. We've always got some new kind of clips and fun stuff up there for people to to look, love, like, hate, whatever, all the above. <laughs> um, you know, it's all right. Well, it's great to have you on here. Thanks again. And uh, I apologize if I was a little bit rambunctious, but that's just the way I am. I just, uh, you know. Hey, so apologies. It's like, that's like me apologizing to myself. I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, Take Scott, care. And, uh, Scott, Joanne, thank you guys very much for your time tonight. We really appreciate the opportunity coming on, and uh, we appreciate what you guys do. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take care. Uh, All right. We'll see you guys. See Many blessings, guys. You too. See you. Bye. Bye.